This is Pod Forsaken. Hey everyone, welcome to Pod Forsaken. I'm Rodney Altman. I'm Miss Eleven. I'm Chris Sachs. <laughs> That's true. Uh, that is. Chris, you got it right this time. Yay! <laughs> I get a gold star. Do 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 do. <laughs> Remember, 88 gold stars, and you get a free episode of Pod Forsaken. What? <laughs> I don't have to pay to be on that one. <laughs> Dude, I keep reminding you, all the good shows, the hosts pay. You want to be on Reply All? You got to pay a lot to be on there. <laughs> I know. I, I mean, look, you got to spend money to make money. By the way, your check did not clear for the last three episodes, so I need you oh, to send me that money. Do I have to pay yeah. the fee again? <laughs> yeah, the, the processing fee. You can be fee. part of the Pod Forsaken multi-level marketing scheme. <laughs> you, have to, you have to pay for my gas to drive to the bank to deposit the check. How? <laughs> If, uh, Sorry, dude. Well, here's if I made a hundred thousand dollars last month by paying for podcasts, you can do it too. <laughs> it's a really long pyramid scheme. <laughs> I, did I say it's scheme? more of a line? I, yeah, I didn't. I didn't mean scheme. I meant strategic financial plan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so I for... meant prosperity church. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I'm not sure what we're doing there, but. For those who are first-time listeners, we are a podcast where we talk about horror movies you probably haven't seen. And usually we start the show with a segment called Trailer of the Week, where we talk about the trailer for what we're going to watch next week. Except what are we watching next week, guys? The second half of Haunting of Bly Manor. Yes. So uh, a couple weeks ago, we did an episode where we talked about the first four episodes of The Haunting of Bly Manor on Netflix. And we've already discussed the trailer for that. So you know what we should do in the future if we do this? We should do the first half of the trailer and then do the second half of the trailer. Is that how trailers work? I think so. Yeah, they're they're chronological, right? There would never be anything in the beginning of the trailer that would come from the second half of the show. That'd be exactly that would be that would just be amateur hour. I think it would probably be stupid for the trailer to have anything from the second half of the show because that's like too far down the line of spoilers. It should all be a trailer for the first episode. Well, I don't know if I agree with that. That's why you don't work. That's why you don't work in marketing. <laughs> Missy, Missy, what would your movie trailers be? Just like the first, they'd all, all the footage comes from the first five the first minutes, of the, minutes of the movie. <laughs> Yikes. I, uh... <laughs> so, sorry, getting back on track, right? We've already talked about the first four episodes of Bly Manor. There are nine total. So we're going to watch the remaining five and we will talk about that in the next episode. Uh, so if you haven't watched it yet finish the whole series listen to our previous episode and uh and then you'll be caught up to you know be on the train with us or whatever before we move on this is the part where i like to thank all the listeners for listening we I literally... gotta go <laughs> chris why are you so reluctant to thank everyone oh thank you for listening i have i think you're still traumatized because this used to be the segment where i beg people to leave reviews it was very awkward very oh, yeah. awkward we don't need those anymore actually yeah <laughs> Just yeah. decided. <laughs> <laughs> I no longer care about anyone giving me any kind of uh, placement in the charts. Like, yeah, I'm actually trying to get the podcast to be the very bottom ranked podcast of all of them. <laughs> yeah, please actually turn it off now and uh, throw your phone out, I guess. <laughs> you got to put a note on there that says yeah. I threw this phone away because of Pod Forsaken. <laughs> yeah, you got to throw it in the microwave with a post-it that says <laughs> Pod Forsaken. And then you ship it to at Apple. Okay. I don't know. They have a special PO box for it. <laughs> oh, yes. I've made Apple quite aware of Pod Forsaken. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that incident anymore. <laughs> but seriously, thank you all for listening. 
And, um, you know, if you if you do want to get in touch with us, as always, you can find us on Twitter at podforsaken. You can email us at podforsakenpodcast at gmail.com. And we have a Facebook group, which is podforsaken horror podcast. Um, but now that we've got that out of the way, let's talk about what we've come here to talk about, which is the feature film in fabric. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Missy uh, is, is that, still enjoying this movie. Yeah, is that a giggle of pleasure, Missy? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that. I knew this was coming. You know, I gotta tell you, in the past couple episodes, we've talked about movies like Terrifier and Um Unfriended. And and I just remember Chris just like going off on these movies, right? And as I was watching In Fabric, I was like, I get it, because I'm gonna go off on Missy. Like <laughs> I was just like, what the fuck? What? What the fuck? I felt I was so angry at this movie. I, ass- I assumed you would be. Yeah. I mean, I actually, there were parts I didn't, there were parts I didn't like, but I, I loved most of it. <laughs> I tried. I want you to know I really tried. For about half an hour, the first half an hour, I was like, this is cool. This is really cool. I'm glad I'm watching this. And for the remaining, you know, hour and a half, because it's a two hour movie. It just started getting slower and slower and started diving into nonsense. And, and, and to be clear, we all watched the uncut version. Yes. Which is one minute longer than the cut <laughs> version. Then why are they always like that? That's so dumb. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they could have rearranged some stuff too. But um, yeah, it tends to be like, uh, the, we talked about this before, but sometimes it's like they just cut a fuck out for a rating and they're like, ooh, it's the uncut version. Okay. Or there's like a couple more shots of some murder or something. Yeah, it's like right. literally if you removed the word fuck, the, t- the movie actually got tamer, but now it's called the unrated version. The on, at least we at least I watched this on Amazon Prime. Um, I did too. And and like this is like a nerdy thing, but it says it's the unrated version, but Amazon has it listed as NC-17. So I don't know if it's like unrated in England because this is a British film, right? Britain? Yeah, I think yeah. Yeah, it's British. Yeah. Peter Strickland mm-hmm. is from. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so anyway. I don't know if it's like unrated edition in England, but it actually did get an NC-17 rating here. Or if this this is, I guess this is my my thesis, right? Is that people seem to think that unrated means NC-17 and these could not be further from the truth, right? Yeah, I have no idea why this would be an NC-17 movie. I, I literally don't, like, except for maybe the part with the mannequin, which we'll talk about, yeah, which that, I think- Yeah, probably. I guess I just I feel like I've seen worse in other horror movies. Oh, absolutely. Like, dude, it is shocking to me that any Saw movie is not NC-17. Like (laughs) no 15 year old with his mom should be allowed to watch a man like pulling a fucking screw out of his eyeball and putting the screw into someone else's eyeball. You know, like I I made that up. That's obviously not a real trap. But (laughs) don't no spoilers for Saw 18 or whatever we're at. Okay, so in fabric, let's let's do a little background. Yeah, Missy, you wanna you wanna talk about this since you love it so much? Yeah. So this is the same director, actually. Of- Let me tell you why it's fucking boring. Okay. <laughs> Yikes. Okay. This right. is the same director as the first movie I ever reviewed with you guys on the podcast, Barbarian Sound Studio, which parts of awesome wasn't really like totally pulled together, but th- I mean that's this guy really really likes like diving into other genres. So um, mostly giallos, mostly giallos. Yeah. Peter Strickland and it's oh, Strickland propane. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It's basically about this woman who is newly separated from her husband and wants to get back out on the scene because her husband is dating other people and decides she needs to get herself a new dress so she can go on dates. And this dress is basically a killer dress. This beautiful red dress is 
creepy as fuck and starts doing creepy things. So that's like the main outline of the movie, but most of the movie uh, is like more just about like visuals and making you like, it's basically just paying homage to Jalo. So it's a lot of like really, really old, like old looking like imagery from like old magazines and like old dancers from back in the day and like long shots of red, long red nails and uh, like what we we uh, anticipated, like old phones, someone dialing on a phone with the long red nails and the glove and like an, oh, like, like glinting scissors cutting up like ASMR style pieces of paper and stuff. All right, and, all right like... calm down, Missy. Like, <laughs> get a hold of yourself. <laughs> so it, it has a simple plot that like it doesn't necessarily dive into enough, but it does a really good job of capturing the feel of a Jalo. I guess as you talk about it, I think something my main criticism of this experiment crystallized, which is that, so those are limitations that uh, Italians working in the 60s, 70s, and 80s had in terms of their filmmaking, and they adapted in the way, like the tools that they had. So like, if if I'm like a theater lover, I don't feel like, you know, if, if you're like putting on a high school production, you're like, well, we don't have like real prop swords. So we made cardboard ones. I feel like he's like making cardboard swords, but it's, to make, remake this feeling of making a different thing but it's like that's a false limitation why are you doing that to yourself i don't understand what was the cardboard part well that like if you're like if you're putting on a play of macbeth right you probably want to do like the highest end most audacious whatever thing you can do but like i feel like it, the the analogy I'm trying to draw is that like Italian filmmaking in the 60s and 70s was limited in terms of like what they had, what tools they had at their disposal. And I feel like he's like going back to a different form as an homage to it. But the reason you love it is because these were people doing art in limitations and like doing what they could in in their circumstance. He's like unnecessarily and falsely putting these limitations on himself to do an homage to that. Yeah. And I just don't know why. I like mean, it doesn't feel resonant. When, when horror movies like start putting in like all kinds of, um, you know, stop using practical effects and start just using, what do you, what do you call non-practical effects again? visual effects visual effects no. like with it like it changes the entire huh. feel of the movie and it it it, it makes whatever like, whatever your intention is it feels completely different i think that he's trying to evoke the same feelings and is doing everything like by hand the way they did instead of like you could make like this you could make everything with visual effects and like use the technology we have now but it would, it would feel completely different than an old italian yeah. movie yeah i mean i guess i understand the like regression of form that's happening i just feel like to again like talk about like broadway to off broadway to high school to middle school i feel like he's take he's going like down three steps in the production quality for a reason that i'm just i guess if you love jollos it feels like a great homage to it i don't think he did i i literally see zero mistakes in this movie besides with the plot <laughs> besides the the plot and the writing in the story no the writing is fine he just well, didn't the, finish the writing is the plot well right, okay so my problem with it is basically like a spoiler which is why i'm not going into my problem with it all right so, gotcha. so let's do this we're gonna obviously like always we're gonna talk about the movie in some detail without spoiling anything and then we'll give everyone a warning right before we do that a couple things one chris i have to correct you buddy like Visual what? effects is the broader category under which practical effects live and computer generated effects. Yeah. So like they tend to be called VFX now. Yeah, it's it's it, it depend I gotta like just push my glasses up and be like, yeah, technically though. <laughs> <laughs> uh second, 
uh, a little bit about in fabric. It's from 2019. So this is a brand new movie. Uh, unless you're listening to this episode in the year 2047, in which case it's <laughs> quite old now. It's also, uh, it was released by A24. And the minute again, the a minute 24% I saw percent chance, that yep. is the best description of a 24. Yep. The minute it came up, I was like, there's a 24% chance. I'm going to like this. And or, nope. or the alternate is I'm going to like 24% of this. Oh yeah. That the, they both apply. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to say like I universally hated this movie. Cause as I said at the top, I did, I liked the first 30 minutes and there were yeah. pieces throughout that I did like, I, I love this movie as much as I hate it. Oh, I definitely hate it more than I love it. <laughs> um, but okay, so we're all on a spectrum here. So I like again, it it is it is absolutely I saw it described somewhere as like Suspiria in a department store. And but yeah, that's kind of true. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like it's really if you you know, if you are familiar with um the film Suspiria, which you should be, uh the the old version, you know, from Yes, of course. When did when does Suspiria come out? In the seventies, Missy? I think yeah. so. I'll check early eight no it's from the 80s i think yeah 77 whoops (laughs) yeah basically the 80s yeah but uh you know we've talked at length in the past about like what makes a giallo but you know essentially yes it is a a type of horror movie from italy from the 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 70s and 80s right and it's very they have these things all the things missy mentioned earlier like the fucking gloves the glinting knives like a certain kind yeah. of look to the sets bright but colors but also like sort of that like acidy wash look to the film and then the um the like tape echo effect to the sound yep where it's constantly like ding 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 mm-hmm. and it's always like really really bright colors especially red like the reds are like the brightest red you've ever seen like like the dress in this that the famous dress that's a killer dress it's the color of it is called artery red in the book. So, you know, I, I think like things like Stranger Things or Summer of 84, right, that are like hearkening back and they're like being an homage to like, like, you know, videos, videos from the 80s, right? In the same way that those are that thing, that's in fabric is that to Jollos, right? And I think in terms of recreating the feel and Chris, I'm with you. It's like I'm half with you, actually. Like I get I get what you're saying about prop swords and and Macbeth, sort of. I don't know. I wasn't really listening. But (laughs) (laughs) But at the end of the day, Peter Strickland, the the writer and director of this movie, he loves Jollos. He just clearly loves What would you do different? Like, I really, like, what was, like, even one shot that you think you could make better? Well, what I mean to say is that I think he did an absolute great job of recreating the feel, right? Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that I you he tricked me into believing this is from the 70s because it clearly looks newer. Yeah. But it really does feel like he has this intense uh, attention to detail and care in meticulously recreating the way those things look. Right. And so in that regard, he did a great job. And I, I have to give him credit for that. It's just as a movie, like the actual like like in terms of technical work, bravo everyone right like the music sounds perfect mm-hmm, um, it was, yes. the, the cinematography is fantastic that's probably the best part of the movie for me it's just as a movie as a story right it falls apart and frankly it started to feel like he was trolling me <laughs> like it, it's it's start and i felt this way the same thing with barbarian sound studio it falls apart like, less than barbarian sound studio i disagree oh strong disagree what? so i that's i much not prefer true. that's untrue I, I, about halfway into this movie, I was like, I kind of wish I was just watching Barbarian Sound Studio again. Jeez. Okay. <laughs> like this, he had 
he really started off strong with the plot and was going places and I could fill in the blanks of where he should have gone and he just right, well, didn't let's, bother. Let's do this. Let's let's we got some time. This is a long movie. It's 2 hours. So let's let's talk about it, right? So, I mean, talk about the plot, right? So, how does it open? Does it open on the montage? Oh, oh yeah, it's like a, there's like a credit sequence. The credit sequence was incredible. Yeah, and the credit sequence has first of all, the music is really cool. And what's even cooler than the music is the name of the band, which is Cavern of Antimatter. Yeah, that was perfect. Which is like maybe the coolest name for a band I've ever heard mm -hmm. of. <laughs> so the credit sequence is a montage of footage from throughout the film, right? So like, it's clearly like as the movie plays, you will see all these shots. You just don't, they're all out of context at the start of the film. And I thought that was very cool. So he set the mood right from the start. And I was like, okay, I, I understand what kind of movie we're, we're here to see, right? But like after the credits, I don't remember what the first thing is. Do we do we meet the main character? Yeah, she's at the bank. Oh, yes. yes, yes. So she's played by um, Marianne Jean Baptiste, uh, who's a British actress. I feel like she's done a lot of a lot of movies like I haven't seen. Yeah, like she was you'll in, recognize her. Uh, I think she was most famous for like Secrets and Lies. Uh, she was a main character on Without a Trace, which I've never seen the TV show. And then um, um, also in it is Gwendolyn Christie, who plays Bran of Tarth. Yes. Game of Thrones. Yes. What a weird role for her. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I like man. We'll get we'll get to Gwendolyn Christie, but she I think she's the only person in the movie that I know as a as an actor or actress. She comes she comes a little later though. Yeah. Well, but there was also um. What's his name from Mighty Boosh? Julian Barrett. Oh, right. Yep, yep, yep. Now, we're, we're, in, we're in the territory where, like, you guys are saying these people, but, like, they mean nothing to me, right? These are all strangers <laughs> to me. It's okay. like it's like when we talked about the dude from his house who plays Doctor Who, right? And it's like... That's on you, but, that, yeah, whatever. But, I mean, I uh, that to be fair, at least I recognize him. Like, I've seen him on posters for Doctor Who, and I'm like, oh, that's Doctor Who. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> I just don't know most of these people. But you're right. That is on me that I don't watch enough boring British things. <laughs> Yeah, you should watch uh, Uptown to the Candleford. It's a, it's a story of a of a local uh, investigator who her uh, sister is an alcoholic and may or may not have rape murdered somebody in a sleepy uh, shire. Oh, that is every Netflix horror, uh, every Netflix true crime show. You mean British BBC? Yes, yes, BBC, every yeah. Netflix British show. <laughs> this is a weird episode. So. <laughs> So basically, yeah. Uh, what what is her? What is the character's name? Do we? Does anyone remember Miss Sheila? Sheila. Sheila. Right. So Sheila is like a. She's a woman in her fifties, and she's like a bank teller. And when we first meet her, we see her like in the back of the bank, like crying. And these, like, I guess her managers are consoling her. Am I right? But like, yeah. Do we ever find out why she was crying? I'm assuming because of the divorce. Yeah. Oh. That she makes, did, she that didn't makes... want to be separated. She wanted to get back together. I guess With I was under the husband. impression that like she's already like she's been divorced or separated for a while. Like I know it seemed like that. Well, maybe it's like she just found out there's no hope. Yeah, it could be that like today was the day that he, she got the, the divorce papers. It's not covered, but basically, hey, she's sad. Right. And she she doesn't necessarily love her job at the bank. And so she 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 comes home and she lives at home with her. What? Like like early 20s son. Yeah. Here's a question before we go on. What year is it in the movie? It seems like it's the late 70s. I was going to say, yeah, 70s or 80s. Okay. Because, like, I felt like her son's, like, hair and clothing felt very modern. But maybe yeah. I'm just... So I'm not wrong, right? Like, I kept thinking he's living in the present day and everyone else in the movie is in the 70s. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's a minor point. But let's... it's it, 
everything else in terms of technology and like you know uh like cashier you know what do you call it like a fucking a cashier box with money in it <laughs> Uh, a register cash register, register. cash <laughs> register man this is why i suck at those like party games we have to describe words <laughs> so everything about that even the cars kind of suggest the 70s so she lives at home with her 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 20 something son and he is dating this kind of like weirdo artsy model and she's played by gwendolyn christie who again you know is brianna tarth from game of thrones and she's not nice to Sheila at all. <laughs> She's very, very bitchy and is kind of like has her son whipped, basically. Yeah, it's really weird because it's like she practically she's over there so much. She basically lives there, but the mom is not cool with that. And should we even talk about the awkward? There's like basically like they have no problem just like having sex there. And there's this really awkward scene early oh, in where like I took notes on this one <laughs> and I just wrote. Ew. Yeah. That's about all there is to say. <laughs> like the mom hears, you know, like moaning coming from her son's bedroom and she like goes up there and like looks through the keyhole and like sees her son giving oral sex to Gwendolyn Grisdy, whose and character she name I can't stays and watches. She doesn't stop. It's, yeah. Uh... That part, that was one of the things that was like weird to me because I'm like, why are you watching your son? Right? Like, again, she she does leave. She, she like lingers. I would yeah. say she lingers and then she clearly is grossed out by it like i, I don't feel like give you... this is how every pornhub video starts nowadays <laughs> what's pornhub uh, it's a place where you can find porn oh interesting. for your hubcaps like it's like a store like yeah, near you? yeah it's a place where you have to go with a mask on <laughs> um so yeah this i i took notes on this movie because i was like i'm gonna be confused and because i feel like the fucking sequence of like what you were talking about, Missy. It's cool the first 60 times we see it, the like rapid flash cuts of the magazines and stuff. And then it always ends with like a big sting and like a, a mannequin hand mm -hmm, coming mm -hmm, in. Mm -hmm. I Like I was like, that's cool. But it's just like, there's something about the pacing of the movie because we are, have we seen the, uh, they did it start with an ad for the uh, uh, department store or something? I feel like we've introed the department store by this point. I think there's a lot of, where well, we see a lot of commercials for it. Okay. So it's like, it basically is like the sale season is coming up. So the department store is like advertising sale, sale, sale. And all like, there's like four women and one guy that work at this department store where the, the red dress yeah. is from. And they like do this weird dance where they like pull you in with their hands yeah. and they're like bowing. Wrote... And like, it's, it's very, very like, it's a Litchy. whole shtick and it's super oh. witchy. They're all in all black with like black yeah. hair <laughs> up and it all like Victorian old clothing. And yeah. it, it's, it's, it looks like a music video almost. I, I wrote worst aerobics video ever. <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> the, um, the department store, just so we can reference it, is called Dentley and Sopers. But yeah, it, it's like the world world's weirdest commercial. And like, it's like these witch women, like beckoning the viewer toward the screen as in like, come to Dentley and Sopers. Like, it honestly feels like just watching the commercial will make you pregnant with the devil's baby. Like, <laughs> and so anyway, she basically is like, uh, her son mentions to her that like he, she's like, hey, I'm making dinner. Are you staying? And he's like, actually, I'm going over dad's to have dinner with him and his new girlfriend. And she's kind of um, obviously upset to find out that like her, her, her ex-husband is now dating. So she decides she's going to start dating. Um, and this is another thing that suggests this is in the past Definitely. because like mm -hmm. she's like she places an ad in a newspaper and basically, you like know, a singles page. 
Mm-hmm. Right. But back in the day, like the way that worked is like you would have to like you like mailed like a, a photograph of yourself with like a description to a post office box. And then she goes and picks it up and like sorts through all the photos. Right. She's and like so, circling. She's circling ads in the newspaper, like picking out guys to write to and stuff. So basically she she picks a guy. She's like, I'm going to I'm going to go on a date. And but I need a new dress. And now we get to the plot of the film where she goes to Dentley and Soper's to buy, you know, a new dress for herself. Yeah, and meets one of the weirdest sales ladies ever. I will say, I really like this sales lady. This is probably my this is my favorite thing in the movie. I, I just I feel like so this is slated as a horror comedy as well, and I feel like there are times where this is like straight up like a horror comedy, like in the way that like an American Werewolf in London is, where it's like there is horror with comedic moments. And then at other times, this feels like Tim and Eric awesome show. Yeah. Where I'm like, it feels like you're like making fun of the thing by being so ridiculous. Yeah, that that's what I'm getting at. Is that like, but in a loving way, still. I don't understand. Like, I, we talked about this in in the same episode with Barbarian Sound Studio. We talked about this movie called The Editor, and The Editor is also an homage to Jalo, but it is clearly meant to be a a comedy like it's it's having fun it's got jokes in it like you're supposed to laugh but in fabric i could never tell if i'm supposed to be laughing the only reason i even chuckled was because i knew ahead of time that it's labeled as a horror comedy right but the comedy is so bizarre that it feels like a performance art where the joke is i got you to watch my movie no it's more like uh, it's that's not quite what it is it's more like it's so cool and ridiculous. Like I'm enjoying myself so much that I'm laughing giddily. Like that's what I was doing. It's like I am so happy right now that laughter is coming out. It it's so it's just so weird because like Missy, I tried to watch that movie, The Love Witch, that you recommended too, which I feel like lives in the same yeah. world as this. And like I can't do it. Like we just have totally different tastes here. <laughs> like clearly, Peter Strickland, he loves this shit because he spends time and money doing it. But all I kept thinking while I was watching In Fabric was like. How did he get money to make this? Like all these people like gave him money and time and he like cast the movie and shot the movie and did editing and got and got, got that 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 this movie is like a who's who of like mid-level uh famous British actors. If you say so. <laughs> <laughs> but I believe you. I believe that all these people are recognizable British British talent that I just don't recognize, right? Yeah. But like I I'm telling you the best way to put it is the whole time I just felt like the joke is on me and he's being mean to me and being like look how much he's like look how much nonsense i can make it's not it's it's he's creating a vibe here's the difference when we we talk about like some of the the the, call them real jollos from the actual 70s right those movies have a plot like there's a fucking killer and the killer's killing people and by the end of the movie like the mystery is resolved i'm telling you that's the weak part of this (laughs) <laughs> right that's my problem he like, starts off strong yeah. but he doesn't he doesn't finish he like literally, oh, literally. Starts it a feels plot, like every but... every movie he does he like gets bored halfway through he gets to page 50 of the script and he's like i don't like this i'm just gonna start writing a different script i want to write a different movie and he <laughs> makes that the second half of the script exactly and then and then someone says dude it has to all make sense and he goes okay well you know like i'll add the red dress into the second part right look if you're not gonna give me a million dollars can you just give me a hundred grand and i'll do this to 20 other people (laughs) i i want to point out we said this when we talked about the trailer last week but like on rotten tomatoes this has a 92 percent. it's certified fresh right but the audience score is 47 which is a tipped over tub of popcorn 
And I think that sums it up. This is yep. absolutely a film critics masturbatory fantasy. It's nothing but just fucking like, look how fucking cool I am. Look at these like, references. <laughs> look at the references. I, I've recreated a film from the 70s that doesn't exist. But like, if you go to watch it, you're going to be fucking spilling your popcorn in anger. No, you won't. No, you won't. There's there's so much good there to love. Here's uh, I, I was reading some reviews of the people who like this has a perfect store a uh, score to Glenn Kenny from the New York Times. Here's one of his lines that was like, oh, I get why you like this quote in fabric sometimes feels like a spontaneous cinematic outpouring from the esoteric record label ghost box whose aesthetic applied hauntology to anti nostalgia for post-war England. <laughs> I think, yes, that is a perfect analogy. The way that sentence sounds in your head, that is the entire feeling of the movie. In the fact, movie also has an absurdist bent in scenes where an unctuous pair of bank managers interrogate an employee and then later a loan applicant. It's as if Eugene Ionesco were doing an adaptation of Office Space for an amicus horror anthology. <laughs> like, Excuse me? Like, I just feel like if you took Peter Strickland out for drinks and you got him drunk enough, he'd be, he would be, he'd be like, hey, you want to know something? And he'd like beckon, you'd lean a little closer. And he'd be like, I'm just fucking with everyone. <laughs> Which I, I respect that. Yeah, I guess I, I do. If that's what it is, then bravo. You are successfully just trolling everyone. But look, let's let's get back onto the track. I think right, you guys are being way too hard on this because every horror movie we do, for the most part, we don't think is perfect. There's major things wrong with it. Every movie we've done in this podcast is a spectrum of how much we like it. This movie has some stuff wrong with it, but there's so much good about it. That's, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, you just are annoyed say, at the say, things that are wrong with it. That's why I say I love it as much as I hate it because I think where it shines, it's really special. It's just, it's like two hours of digging to get to like 20 minutes of gold. I think it's uh, an uh, 70 minutes of gold. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. here's the thing. I, I, I'm not saying I hated everything about the movie, right? I'm, I can't be more clear about that. There is, I get why you love it. The whole time I was watching it, I was like, we're going to fight. Missy's going to fucking love this movie, right? Because <laughs> it's all vibe. That's the thing. Yes. It's all dreamlike vibe shit, but it, it's not a story. And that's what I want out of movies. I want a fucking story. And I was like, what I wouldn't give to just watch Pledge again, where it's just like a bunch of kids being beat up and tortured in a house they're locked in, right? I, Honestly, like, I yeah. always think that the story was- You heard it. Chris would prefer to watch Pledge over this. Oh, you don't I'm mean glad that, Chris. I watched Chris, this. I would watch that. Pledge again you over don't, this. You don't mean that. No, no, no. Um, take that back. <laughs> Pledge at least moves along in a brisk three minutes or however long that movie is. <laughs> Clogging in at 4.18. I will say that like it doesn't bother me as much as Barbarian Sound Studio plot-wise because I can easily fill in the blank of what I think the intention of the plot was. I think for right. me, the, the dream sequence at the end of Barbarian is so much shorter, whereas this, I, I don't want to spoil, but like this just really goes off the rails into surrealist nightmare zone. And I literally kept checking my watch. So I was like, <laughs> oh, I guess we're almost done. This is getting weird. It's not no, surreal. there's another 45 minutes. It's not surreal. That's what it is. Are you kidding me? No, yeah, Are you no, kidding me? No, I'm not the, kidding the fucking, you. The guy talking about repairing a thing and people are starting to orgasm. That's surrealism. <laughs> Oh, it was, I, I, dude, I had the same experience. I literally, I was like, this movie's been on for three days. We got to be close to the end. And I paused it I'm gonna be and realized there were 45 minutes left. And I, I looked at my wife. She checked out real early. She checked out real fast. And she, she was like 45 minutes. I was like, fuck, are you kidding me? It's been on for three days. How can there be that much time left? I would have cut, I would have cut 45 minutes. I, exactly. <laughs> 
you would have cut 45 minutes and that's the part where i had where i got bored so that suggests there's something wrong with the movie when almost yeah, he half the up. run he fucked up in that <laughs> regard okay let's let's get back on track about talking about the story so, so they, she, she goes to the department store and she yep. meets the world's weirdest sales lady who talks in these like overwrought riddles where i don't it's know like, how to explain it but it was excuse amazing me, can you tell me where the bathroom is ah intriguing that your corporeal self would ask me such a question inquiring into the nature of our spheres and you're like <laughs> so, so the bathroom is that way yeah, she she's great. Like every time I like Missy again, I fucking loved this character. <laughs> like, yeah, she's like, I heard there's a sale. She's like, ah, indeed. For soon the money in your purse will part from your possession into the possession of the store, which will bind us together in a circle of unanimity. <laughs> you guys are doing a good job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's delightful because it's like so it's that to me like strikes the perfect balance of like it's over the top. It's very arch, but it's like a winking arch. Like it knows it's being silly. This is where yes. it was a little like this the you know, the slight bit of comedy in this character. I, I felt it in, in these scenes. Absolutely. I was like, I get that I'm supposed to be laughing at this bizarre sales lady. And throughout all the scenes in the department store, there is this creepy old guy who's always like lurking in the back of the, the scenes, like looking over dresses and like watching shit happen. And like, I took it to mean he's like the store manager. I think he's like the really, owner. He or, could be the owner. Maybe he's Dentley or yeah, Sopsy. Yeah, I or, think like, so. Yeah. Again, uh, the movie. That's Richard Bremer. He plays um, Voldemort in the first uh, flashbacks of Voldemort. Oh, you're oh, kidding no way. me. Yeah. Ah. In Philosopher's Stone. Oh. Oh. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. I did. I did have a moment where I was like, "That guy looks familiar," but I mean, it's not. I, I just kept thinking he kind of looks like. Oh uh, man, I can't think of the the you know Peter Cushing. He looked like Peter Cushing to me. Oh, I Peter guess he could be Cushing. like a really old Peter Cushing kind. Yeah. 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 So anyway, this guy. Uh, sorry. The, the, basically, let's get to the fucking killer dress. We've been talking forever. I know. So. Basically, she's like, yo, I want a new dress. And the lady's like, I have, you know, in cryptic language, I have the perfect dress for you. And she gives her this red dress and she tries it on and she looks great in it. And she's like, it's weird because I'm like not that this dress says it's a size 36, but I'm like, I'm bigger than that. Yet this fits me perfectly. So creepy, creepy, right? Mm -hmm. um, and basically, she's like, I don't think I need it. And the woman basically convinces her like, hey. You want to look good on your date? You got to wear this. Yeah, so they she keep buys... saying like that you're the guy's name. She goes, she's like, he's going to give you a compliment. Adonis. I know Adon Adonis will compliment you in this. Like everyone says it to her. And then she, so she, she, she buys it and she goes on the world's worst first date. Like this was but also I, I gotta, kind of the comedy just, of the movie. When she's in the changing room trying on the dress, that is where this movie shines. Yeah. Because it basically like starts and it just like. They light up each portion of this like five, uh, like in changing rooms or the uh, dressing rooms, they have those like five panel mirrors. They light up each section of that. And it's just like, that's where this movie is so fantastic is the editing and the cinematography. I agree. Like, that's gorgeous. It's they fucking show, beautiful. They show like her moving in some while staying in the same like pose in other parts of the mirror. And like, yeah. it's, it's, yeah, it's a very well done. You know, now you, Chris, you've helped solidify for me. This is one of those movies where like any given scene is like, interesting and fun to watch and kind of cool but when you line up two hours of those scenes they don't create a story that is worth following for yes me. agreed but like yes when she was trying on the dress i was still in i'm gonna dig this movie vibe like i was like oh man things are gonna get creepy because like yeah like each panel of the mirror is like it's like a different angle it's hard to explain it's like a different angle of her 
And they're, it's like they shot her five different times and then imposed those images on the mirror. It's very creepy and atmospheric. And I was like, oh, man, I can't wait for this dress to start killing people. <laughs> oh, boy. I'm still waiting. <laughs> Here's a question. Did the dress actually kill anyone? I don't even know. Kinda. 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 All right. So I think we can skip over the date. It's like, unless there's anything you want to talk about it's, the date. It's just a horrible date. Like, the only thing to really note, like, when she's on the date, um, she gets this, like, rash on her boob. From the, and she's like, oh, the dress must have had something on it. Like, when she comes home, she finds it. yeah, she has, like, this really bad rash. Yeah, like, right yeah. after the date. And then, so she uh, decides to, to put the dress in the washing machine. And the washing machine freaks the fuck out and starts, and like, is... chunks start falling off of the washing machine. It just starts, like, bumping up and down. And she tries to get to the back of it to, like, pull it out of the wall. And it, like, she gets cut really bad. And, like, yeah. bright and blood this... is splurting everywhere. And this is intercut with, uh, before it, it completely, like, she puts it in and then she goes to play sorry with her son and uh, oh, yeah. his girlfriend. <laughs> and, you know, the, it, basically, you see the, uh, the Gwen is her name? Gwen, the, the the son's girlfriend, has the chance to like bump her out of the game, and you you just you get the sense that there's this like rising tension between these two women. Wait, but... Gwendolyn Christie plays a character named Gwen. Yeah, What's up with that? I know. Yeah. All right, whatever. It's, she she legally changed her name to Brienne when she was on Game of Thrones. Uh... She gets confused. <laughs> yeah. So you get the sense that there's this like mounting tension between them because I think a little before this too, like she finds the dress in her son's room on the floor. Yeah, and she thinks Gwendolyn's been trying on going through her stuff and trying yeah, on clothes. Yeah, which I I don't know. I guess. Yeah. So the dress is moving around on its own. Yeah. yeah. And and Gwen is also like really making fun of the rash on her chest and was like, oh, you're gonna go into sepsis and die and like like I know somebody that yeah they get their arm amputated blah blah blah. Yeah. She was just just. just but a she's bitch. also saying it was like her her wealth manager. So like I guess she's wealthy too. My fin yeah she did say my financial advisor. Yeah. Doesn't mean that she's wealthy just because she has a financial advisor. But it means she has money. Well, yeah, okay. Yeah. I mean, it's it's unclear how how wealthy yeah. she is, and nor is it a plot. Right. Point. It's just a strange little thing to throw in. Uh, and then we go into Wait, wait, can I I gotta just complain about something. This is my like in, in a previous episode, Chris, you complained about Connect Four, yeah. right? I gotta complain about Parcheesi. Because like no, they're sorry. playing Parcheesi. They're playing sorry. They're not playing sorry, because sorry is played with cards. You flip over cards. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They are playing Parcheesi and everything. It, it's almost like, again, I don't know if Peter Strickland's just trying to upset me because I do feel like that's what he's trying to do. But like, they are playing it so wrong. One, they're rolling one die each instead of two. Two, they're moving the pieces in the wrong direction, right? And then Gwen like captures one of her pieces while she's on a safe spot, which you can't capture pieces on safe spots. So... <laughs> Like, it's literally like he got Parcheesi so wrong. It's like it's, it's like he just put a board in front of them and said, hey, just pretend you're playing a game, right? Yeah. And again, I don't know if it's supposed, if he did it just to make fun of me specifically. <laughs> <laughs> but it really bothered me. I did um, not notice any of that, but I I hope it was intentional. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to, Peter, if you're listening, I got to know. I like, I just, just let me know. Was that intentional? <laughs> So, uh, sorry, having said that, the other thing I think we, we skipped over that's very important is after she buys the dress, you see the sales lady whose character is named Miss Luckmore, played by, I, again, she's a wonderful actress. I believe her name is, is it uh, Fatma Mohammed? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She goes into the back room of the store and, like, takes off her wig, and you see that she's bald. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And there's this like, there's like a dumb waiter, but it, it's like the size of a small coffin. It's like, you know, it's mm-hmm. like long. And she like gets into it and like bends down like she's like praying. Like on like, her, on yeah, her hands like, and knees. exactly. And then you see the elevator start going down and she like goes down in the depths of the department store and you don't know why, but that will be important later. All right, so anyway, part she they play they play fake part she also, cheesy. She also when they they leave, she like she she had asked for uh, our main character Sheila's address and phone number, and she calls somebody <laughs> and tells them the address and phone number of Sheila, and they like write it down in some book. So we oh, like, yeah. have a lot of and shots the, of phones and nails and all that kind of stuff. And it, instead of having a cash register, oh, this they, is awesome. <laughs> they have a pneumatic tube system. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like. Like she has to put the money in like an actual little metal thing and it goes fump up a thing and then they have to wait for the change to come back. So they just stare at each other awkwardly for like five minutes for the change to come back. <laughs> Basically, which is every, in real time. Every yeah, scene, yeah. <laughs> every scene in her, I did love. I just, I loved all of it. I, I, I have to admit that. Like even when she's giving her phone number and she's like, can you please give to me the numerical sequence that calls the phone to your place of residence? <laughs> and then and then she gives her the number and the lady doesn't even write it down. She just remembers it. And then mm-hmm. she like calls, I guess, the, the billing department. And she's like, the customer's telephone number is zero and one and five and seven yeah. and nine. Why would she need that? Like, that's I would be weirded out if somebody asked me that. I mean, and they're not even writing it down. That's the whole thing. The whole movie is... Good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the I other mean, to- weird thing is Sheila, like her answering machine is just her saying her phone number, not who they've reached. So like even like when her husband calls, she like goes through her whole phone number and doesn't say who it is. And it's like, oh, it's you. Like, well, that that's actually that's, a thing people yeah. do. That's that's common. Really? Like, they answer by yeah. saying the phone number? Well, yeah, because if well, back in the day when it's like wrong numbers and stuff, you don't want to be like, hey, I live at, you know, 333 Milk Street. I'm not home right now. Why don't you come on down? Okay. It's just a thing for privacy, right? No, like, but even when she answers the phone, not just her voicemail. Uh, yeah. Oh. Like, in, like when, when she was answering the telephone herself. Oh, I guess I, I didn't I didn't really think. I thought she was like, I don't know why I thought this, but I thought she was like saying the box number for her dating profile, you know? No. But like, I don't, I, I guess I thought she had two phones or something. And one is specifically for answering dating ads, but that doesn't really make any sense. You're right. Yeah. It's a good but anyway, yeah. So she cuts her hand or her wrist on the on the washing machine, and that part was cool. A lot of a lot of red Jollo blood. Oh yeah. And again, I was like, Missy's loving it. <laughs> um, and uh, I like that too. It was cool. And then we go into the most scintillating mannequin sex scene I've ever seen. Yes, the mannequin <laughs> sex scene. I I think this is the scene that was probably trimmed to get it down to an R rating, or mm. you know, this is yeah. whatever. Yeah, well, especially with that uh, uh, black on white uh, slow mo cum shot. <laughs> oh yeah, the cum shot too. This whole yeah, let's just talk about this scene at length because. <laughs> no. So is this the prequel to the movie Mannequin? <laughs> I think this is how the mannequin was created. Yeah. I think so. <laughs> it goes back to the department store, and you see Miss Luckmore and like another one of the creepy witch sales ladies. Like they have a mannequin, and they put the mannequin on the floor, like a female mannequin. One of them sits on her face. Yeah, and the other one like starts pulling her panties off, like the mannequin's panties. Yeah, and, and then they the, have like oil or something. They bring a few different oils over, and we don't know what's in the bottles. But yes, to pour and on the mannequin. The mannequin like has pubic hair, like a like a. Full... She doesn't at first. Oh, doesn't she? No, she doesn't start with it. Well, that's because she has panties on. I don't, I think that they grow it with the oils. <laughs> I just gotta take your word. That. I, I, yeah, I, I don't I know it. why you think that. Missy. Maybe Chris can go back and watch. I thought that they. I will. I thought they grew it. I'm gonna mute myself as I watch this scene. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. Oh, shit, shit, shit. <laughs> Fuck, I didn't mean to Jeffrey Tubin all over this call. <laughs> um, so they basically start, like, I mean, I have to be crude. They have to start, they start fingering this mannequin that, like, has an actual, like, vagina. And, like, blood starts coming out of the mannequin. And while that's happening, the creepy owner slash manager guy he's like watching from like around the corner and starts like jerking off <laughs> and they really show his face no, the, like the, bush, whole time. the bush is there are you the sure yep okay yeah missy i think you're i think you're wrong on this one no offense head cannon time they <laughs> use the oil to grow that vag hair <laughs> what, what does that oil do it grows vag hair on mannequins <laughs> And yet, like the 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 dude jerks off, and there's literally literally a like you never see his penis to be clear, but you do see like a tracking shot of like his semen flying through the air. Yep. <laughs> and that scene is never explained. It has I like literally it again. I just think, explain, Rodney. I think in an earlier I think in an earlier session they grew the hair. Okay, Missy. <laughs> sure. Why are you so stuck on this? <laughs> Because I think that's all the missing plot. I think this is all the missing plot right in this scene. So you think this scene sums up the whole movie? Like, if you yeah. understand this scene... Yes. Okay, so yes. what do you think this scene means? I think that they are bringing mannequins to life. And I think all the people that work in the store are mannequins. That they're all bald yeah, under their I, wigs. And I seems... think that they're slowly bringing these mannequins to life and making them human. With the hair, the blood coming out. I think that they're... They must be a long process but I think they were all mannequins prior. And th this is the newest mannequin that they're like making human. Okay. I mean, yeah, that that's the vibe I got. It's just like, that's not that th what we've talked about is the extent of what you're going to get from this plot line. You get a I, little bit more, but not much more. I guess I thought it was like the opposite. I thought they were like turning people into mannequins, but I think yeah. your explanation makes more sense, Missy. Like that would explain why all the sales ladies are bald and so fucking creepy and, and are like not like people. Yeah, I mean, this doesn't really spoil anything, but um, there's a lot of scenes where like the managers are like very protective of the mannequins and like making sure they stay out of harm's way and stuff. Like, right, but like if you expect this to have any explanation or plot relevance, I'm sorry. But like, you've never seen a Peter Strickland movie. Yeah, but that, I mean, it's literally, it doesn't bother me because, like, I feel like that's the truth. I feel like that's 100% the truth of what was going on. You think people who work in stores are mannequins? In this store, <laughs> in this store. I am convinced okay. 100%. And, like, yeah, he didn't put that in the movie, but I'm positive that's what was going on. But what okay. does that mean? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, so what? <laughs> This is like a perfect example of what I'm talking That's about. That's why it's a weird store. That's why it's a weird department store. If you just if if you just like showed me a clip of this movie, you showed me this scene, I'd be like, oh my god, these witches are like masturbating a bleeding mannequin while the dude jerks off. This is this is gonna be my favorite movie, right? <laughs> it's just that scene exists in a two-hour runtime that makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> but what if we also had 48 scenes of managers grilling their employees? Oh yeah, we didn't even get to the bank shit. There's so much to talk about. This I'm glad we didn't even I'm glad we didn't do trailer of the week. This is long. <laughs> so So we're like three minutes into the movie by yeah. now. <laughs> so by now it's the day after the date. And this this lady is not a fan of this dress. Thinks that there's something wrong with it. Oh wait. Yeah, there's no. there's also shots of like her sleeping and the dress just like floating like in the air yeah. above her like a spirit. It's floating above her like um, a spirit, and, and it also does that to Gwen and like attacks her while she's having sex with the sun. I wait, thought she was it, sleeping. No, no, it, it attacks Gwen when she's awake and she starts like freaking out. It's what yeah. 
I literally don't remember that part yeah, at yeah, all. Yeah, it, it like tries, yeah. To, tries to suffocate her. And the boyfriend's like, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. She tr- it tries, the dress tries to like asphyxiate her. Okay, yeah, I, I vaguely, I vaguely remember it. It just, it's like one nonsense scene and a bunch of nonsense. <laughs> Do you remember nonsense scene 27? <laughs> no, I, I'm sorry. Okay, so our, our little lady, Sheila, goes on another date with this much nicer man. This one's much better. Yeah, yes, this guy's awesome. He's much he's better. He's a very charming he's fellow. He's a decent guy. He sends a weird photo. I don't, like, know why that's a photo he sent, but they, on their date, this dog, like, sees the red dress and, like, attacks Sheila. So, like, oh, yeah. eats up her leg. Like, she's been bitten all over. The dress is ripped to shreds. But when she gets home and they're, like, tending to her wounds and the son brings the dress back, the dress is perfectly fine. It's not ripped at all. And she's like, okay, this is enough Yeah, this, this. Is, this is a weird scene because she does say, like, the dress should be ripped. It should be ripped. But, like, I get that, like, and first of all, her, I don't get why no one believes her, especially the boyfriend or whatever. I don't know if he's a boyfriend at this point, her current date, because he was there. He witnessed it happen, right? Mm-hmm. So why is he not like, yeah, I saw that dress get ripped to shreds. How is it okay now? Because it's a weird movie. That's yeah, the answer. Yeah, that is the answer. And so she goes to try to return <laughs> the dress and finds out that this was actually the only one of this red dress that existed. So the only one that existed is like the one she has. And she's like f- flipping through the catalog and sees the person modeling in it and at, like asks about it and finds out the, the person modeling the dress in the catalog died. And so she's like freaking out even more now and wants to return the dress. And and the woman is like, Miss, Miss Luckmore is like, there is no need for earthly concerns because the model in the picture bathed herself quite thoroughly. Yeah, she showered <laughs> quite extensively before she <laughs> wore the dress. <laughs> so I like, I appreciate that she, first of all, I, Sheila is great. Like her character and her performance, she's really good. And like, she walks that subtle line of like, like she's, you know, I was thinking how how refreshing it was to watch a movie about like a woman in her 50s who's like dealing with aging and still trying to like find romance and shit. You know, like, that's not a character you see a lot, especially in horror movies. And her performance of it was very good. Like I felt how she's, she's trying to like, you know, hold back crying all the time and like trying to get on with her life, but she's also sad and she's like dealing with her son. And then there's like, yeah, the weird bank managers who I mentioned earlier at the, you see that you see them like comforting her at the beginning of the movie, but you finally get a scene where they actually have lines where they like sit her down in like the back room of the bank and what are they? They basically are like they grill her because they're like it's come to our awareness. Uh, one of your other coworkers has told us you took a, a loo break right before going on your lunch break. <laughs> what do you yeah, have to say for yourself? <laughs> basically, like she went to the bathroom before clocking out, and she's like that would have been like two minutes. And they're like yes, but a bunch of two minutes creates over four hundred minutes, and that's basically we're paying you for time yeah. that you're peeing, you know. And the guy's like, I know that I barely can pee in two minutes, so I'm sure it's even more than that. And like again i i like the two bank guys they're really weird but they have like nothing to do with the actual plot of the film you know like they're just it's just like a weird scene that yep. scene was more like a british comedy it, it it reminded me more of like a lot of the like just the weird like you know how quiet british comedies i watch i i don't like those i don't like british comedy personally really is it's just yeah. a different it's a different thing I know, but it's always like... Oh, go ahead, Chris. I I feel like it's always like, oh, it's like the the old, like, British office shit, where it's like, why don't you come in for your performance review? Performance review? And then they just sit there, and you're like, uh, I guess this is awkward funny, but not really? (laughs) (laughs) It's... 
like may, maybe that's Peter Strickland's deal. Like maybe his movies are made for British crowds. And like when they watch Barbarian Sound Studio, they're just fucking howling. And they're like, oh, it's <laughs> it's so ridiculous. <laughs> oh, 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 he 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 barely shook that man's hand. How impolite. Oh, <laughs> um, oh, they oh do, they're talking they about going to the loo. <laughs> how she, her handshake is too weak and give her like a printout on like how to have a better handshake. <laughs> yeah, that was really funny. It was. And, I, 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 and just like going through the mindanity of, of like, okay. and you... there's a cartoon at the bottom that summarizes all the main points. It's fantastic. You do think it's fantastic. It... You're not being sarcastic. No, I think that, okay. those sequences are fantastic. The problem is it just feels out of step with the rest of the movie. Yeah. That's, I see what you mean there. That's fair. It, 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 yeah, it's just like in every given scene, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to be laughing or not. I, I know I've said that before, but like at every moment, even this. But don't even, you no like s- not like knowing how to feel and not like what to anticipate? To a degree. I, I like, I, again, I liked the scene with the bank managers. It made me chuckle, right? Like it made me uncomfortable and laugh. But at for like, look, for me, the big problem is when you get to about halfway through this movie, which we're almost at, right? Yeah. So I think why don't we just move into spoilers, right? Is that cool? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we do that, let's. If for those who haven't, who are who haven't made up their mind, do you recommend watching this movie? A hundred percent, yes. You, so you're recommending this a hundred percent to everyone, Missy, regardless of no, taste. not to everybody. I think that if if you like horror movies from the 70s 80s foreign horror movies especially maybe not even necessarily just italian but if you tend to like like european horror then yeah 100 percent. chris if you felt like you wanted two different movies to be stitched together and i both like one of them's missing a first act and the other one's missing a third act and it just had nothing to do with each other but it's all like really interesting and beautiful like, it kind of reminds me of, like, some of the Eastern European New Wave movies, where it's like, none of this really makes sense. This is gorgeous in a lot of ways, but I don't feel like it added anything to my life. Sure, why not? I, I, I like, look, I really can't recommend this movie to anyone. I just don't think anyone should watch it. I, I, I think I, Missy I, should watch it. Yeah, but she yeah, like, yeah. If, if, <laughs> yeah if, if you, if you're on Missy's wavelength and you, like, I, I think by now- someone. Absolutely. There's a whole bunch of fucking critics who like this movie and even some general audience like there's but I personally am not recommending this. Right. You will never, ever hear me say to someone, you got to go home and watch In Fabric tonight unless we were at a party and you said, Rod, I'm looking for the most like obscure, random. I'm hosting this party. I'd like everyone to leave. (laughs) I've got the movie for you. Rude. You know what? This is the kind of movie that's good, like no sound on, like playing on the screen while you're talking, right? If like, somebody like, told you they like Jollos, you wouldn't tell them. Oh, let me. T- have you heard about the like really cool modern Jollo? Man, I would, I would need, I would need to ask a couple follow up questions. I, I think I would say, have you Wrong. seen the Love Witch? Did you like the Love Witch? They, and they did. say I love. They did. If they said I love the Love Witch, I would say you probably should see in fabric, like. Again, the, the difference is the all the Jollos that I've seen and that we've talked about, they are horror movies. Like they are absolutely straight down the middle. Like people are getting murdered. It's about terror and people running through shadows and sequences of horror, right? Yeah. But this movie is not doing that. This movie, like, yeah, uh, there's, a, there's a couple moments of blood and there are, you know, a, maybe a couple people die, but like the movie is not a horror movie. It, it's like, it's like a Jollo without the horror it part. It kind it's, of felt like a Jollo in the world of Black Mirror. Like it was No, like, disagree. <laughs> it, it, it was like the horror level of a Black Mirror, but like all the vibe of a Jollo. 
I Black Mirror is all about like technology and there's like no technology in this movie. It's, it's it, to Black Mirror. I think of yes, technology, but it's more like a parallel universe. OK, I mean, sure, I'll say it's a parallel universe. But like, look, by now, you know, this movie's for you. I guess watch the trailer and like as much as much sense as the trailer makes. It's like that for two hours. Like, <laughs> hey, let me hear this. It, is it a is it a bad movie? No. <sighs> in yes it, and no. Yes, it's a great and, movie yes and, no. and it's a bad movie. It's a great movie that makes some major mistakes. It's a it's a well-made movie that's incredibly slow and boring and tedious. That's not fair. <laughs> that's not fair. It's so fun having you be the one to be on the on the ropes, Missy. Because I'm tired of, of defending killer clowns and shit, right? Like <laughs> Oh man. All right, so we're gonna move into spoilers. All right, here's I think this for me is like that that New York Times review that I read earlier. If that sounds like it's up your alley, you're gonna love this movie. So let me let me find that line again. Just, yeah, just just repeat it, Chris. Repeat it for yeah. everyone. All right. If this sounds like your vibe, you're gonna love this movie. In Fabric sometimes feels like a spontaneous cinematic outpouring from the esoteric record label Ghost Box, whose aesthetic applied hauntology to anti-nostalgia for post-war England. If that's your vibe, you're gonna love this movie. Or <laughs> if you like if you're like me, you're gonna agree with this. This writer is deranged. This writer is deranged. Ugly movie wasting time. <laughs> is that a real review? That's a review from IMDB. <laughs> I, for the first time in my life, agree. This writer is deranged. <laughs> This here's, writer here's a... has major ADD, is what he has. <laughs> he, like, literally just gets bored and, like, decides he wants to do something different, like, the next day than what everyone else knew was in the script. Like, I, I really Sorry, feel like Marianne, they just, Sorry, like... you're out of the movie. What What do you mean? I'm the star of this movie. Not anymore! Yeah. Uh, here's, here's, a, here's, here's a review I think sums it up. A regular, presumptuous, and not terrifying film in which the style abounds, but the substance is absent. So that was just the second guy writing in the style of the first guy I read. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, it, I, don't, I don't know what that means. Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> um, spoilers. Three, two, one. You've been warned. Chris, uh, I liked that the. Uh, so, you're not gonna do the. You're not gonna do the thing. Oh, three, two, one. Uh, the it's a different movie now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know that hour. You know that hour you spent watching Sheila. Fuck you. That's not relevant anymore. <laughs> New movie. <laughs> Fuck you, dude. Like that's not how movies work. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, Sheila, like whatever, gets upset. She goes for a drive. She she crashes her car, and. We see her laying in like a bloody pile on the road while like the creepy haunted dress floats above her. And then it just cuts to a brand new main character that we've never met at all. Yeah. And suddenly the movie is now about this like washing machine repairman who's kind of like a nerdy Which dude. would have been such a great opportunity if when her washing machine got damaged, he uh -huh. came and repaired it. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. Uh, so many misoperations. I mean, this was not a good choice. I was very pissed about this, and at this oh, point... Oh, so you like the first movie. I like the first movie a lot, and I think that what they should have done, instead of making this, like, literally, like, 50 minutes of the movie of the next story of, like, just this other couple with the red dress, they should have... It should have just ended or done, like, a three-minute thing of, like, ooh, now the first character's dead, and, like, the red dress is going to get sold and go to someone else. And you can imagine what happens. You don't have to see that the same thing happens again. Yes, like, it, you, you Exactly. You know how most like haunted object movies end with like a yard sale and like some lady comes and goes, my grandson is going to love this. And yeah. then the credits roll. Right. 
imagine if it kept going. You then watched her take it home to her we grandson don't need to for another. See the same movie two times back to back with different people. But like, Missy, that's my problem. Like, that's my problem that, too. I hated that. I took a nap at this point. But that's half the movie. <laughs> Yeah, it's a two-hour movie. Minutes. That's half it's, the it's movie. It's half the movie, but it's the same movie twice. So it's like it's, it's like going it's, to see Batman. It was, it, it's not that it was bad because it's the same thing as the first half. Just again, and I liked the first half. He just instead of finishing the first half and putting the plot we needed about the mannequins coming to life with all the oils, he did the same thing again <laughs> with different actors because he couldn't decide who to cast. And so he's like, "I'll just do the same movie twice and just cut the second half." Like. Uh, yeah, I don't like that. I don't like that choice at all. And I I think he made a major mistake there because we, we had plenty of time to put in lots of plot to make the first half make sense. And he set it up even. He set up plot. And, then, and that's it, why this is a great movie. I had one of those moments where I thought I missed something, right? I was just like, like, like I was like, oh, okay. Now we're, we're with some repairman. And then like 10 minutes go by. I'm like, are we here? What happened to Sheila? What happened to her son? Like literally what happened to Gwen? Like you have Gwendolyn Christie in your movie. She doesn't die. She just disappears from the movie and you never see think, her again. I think her last scene is when she gets choked by the dress. It is. And that's it. She doesn't die though. Yeah. Right, she doesn't it. die. That's the end of her, yeah. And I also just found it really, this is really nitpicky, but I just found it very strange. So Sheila gets into the car crash and then it cuts to her son in bed jerking off to his own art. Oh, yeah. Which that, <laughs> that is literally Peter Strickland putting himself in his own movie. Uh, <laughs> yes, you're right. It, that, I, think that's, I think that's the key scene of the movie. He's literally telling you that he's jerking off on you and you're the fool for watching. Yeah, you're the mannequin now. I'm, I'm uh, more convinced than ever. I'm telling you, this dude is out to just fuck with the world over and over and over. But then, so he's getting a call and then it's the police calling and they leave a, a message on the machine that's like, pick up, it's the police, pick up. And I'm like, what What if he wasn't home? Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. You just get a call that's like, pick up, it's the police. Pick up now. That's the last time, that's literally the last time you see the sun is him jerking off to a picture of a giant asshole with light coming out of it. I think it's a and vagina, but okay. yeah, I think no, so it's too. both. It's a bent over woman because I, I remember I paused the film oh, and stared. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, I, and I jerked off to too it for much 16 minutes. <laughs> I, th I thought it was like an interactive movie. <laughs> I wanted to get in the headspace of Peter Strickland. <laughs> you know, that probably would help. And, um, but anyway, so we meet this. We meet uh who who what's the name of this character? Does anyone remember? It's Does wash, he have wash, a character? Wash, oh, his name his name is Reg. Washman Oh yeah, Reggie speaks. Yeah, played by Leo Bill. Is he a famous British actor? Maybe. Probably. Probably. Okay. <laughs> um, he's about to get married, and so he's yeah, having... he's, in, he's been in a fuck ton of things. Oh, so okay. I just again, it's just a whole cast of people I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, so he's at his bachelor party. Yeah? yeah, he's he thinks he's just going to a restaurant and having dinner, but then like everybody's there for a bachelor party. So they like call him in and his friends are so obnoxious and like just seem really shitty. And they've bought him this famous red killer dress at a thrift store. Well, they, I mean, it's not a famous killer dress to them. To it's us. just a red dress. To us. Yeah, yeah, to us, yes. Yeah, the same yeah, he's red looking dress. At it, he's like, this, this would be good. It's a famous killer dress. It's for my butt on a stag night. <laughs> <laughs> they, these are literally the meanest friends I, I, like, I've ever seen. They're like, awful. Like, like, I almost feel like, well, it almost felt like maybe he doesn't actually have friends. And yeah. Like, because his his his. Well, isn't one of them her her dad? Yeah. Yeah. Because he basically says dad. like if you he says to him like if you if you like mess you know cheat on my daughter or make her sad I'm gonna kill you mm -hmm. right um and I kind of got the feeling like everyone at his his stag party is 
like a friend of the dad or you know like they like he doesn't have friends i think um, that but, the rest of the friends were young yeah yeah i guess they were just right. they're all just like louts though yeah they're, all, they're kind of just bullies like, it's, you get the sense that he's the... he's the kid that like everyone made fun of yeah and they just because they're from the same town like are still quote-unquote friends mm-hmm. that's what it seems like but they they basically force him to wear the red dress and so he's yeah they super... get him they get him so drunk that he spills beer on himself and they're like we brought you a change of clothes it's a dress mm-hmm. eh and surprise and like, surprise okay. it fits this grown man too so it, it can clearly expand or contract to fit whoever right i mean there is a running point about how the dress can fit anyone i'm just saying that that still applies everything from this first half of the movie is still applying <laughs> same yep. shit. And- well, there, there's a difference. In the in the first half, they buy the dress from the store. In this one, it's just a gift. So it's totally different, Missy. Right, it's you're a true. totally that's different true. movie. Well, um, <laughs> he he gets a rash from the dress again. So that's like yep. clean, that's how it like marks its victims, I guess. What I don't know, something. Sure. So we meet his. He he comes home and he has a fiance. I think he says they've been like dating for like 15 years. Yeah, they're like high school yeah, sweethearts. Like, yeah. And someone asks him, like, like, why, like, basically, if you took 15 years, why are you getting married now? And he's just sort of like, I don't know, because like, it's sort of like what I'm supposed to do. Like, he doesn't seem, he doesn't seem super enthusiastic about his fiance. He doesn't seem like he's ever, I, I think he said he's never dated anybody else. Like, they've just been together forever. There's also an awkward. His fiance is like really both- pretty, though, compared to him. Like, he couldn't <laughs> do better. Missy, you can't judge women on their appearance. We've talked about this. <laughs> Like, not cool, man. Okay. She is yeah, she is he, she is very He cute, has though. the ability to talk in tech manual and make people come in their pants. <laughs> yeah, that is a running thing as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wanted to make sure I understood that scene, right? Because he goes to the same bank managers. That's for a loan. Well, right. it first happens when he's like with some, you know, I don't know if she's married or like oh, divorced. Yeah. And she's like, Oh, you're getting married? And it's like, again, this movie, it feels like he just watched a bunch of Pornhub and was like, uh, what's that scene? Uh, there's the repairman comes and fucks the lonely wife. I'll do but that I'll, as a movie scene. But I'll just leave out the part where they fuck. Yeah. And so and she's like, oh, so what's wrong with my washing machine? And he's like, the the drive belt shaft is not connected to the whatever. And like she's she's clearly becoming aroused. Hand Listen to it. To the <laughs> and I, I again, I was just like, yeah, this scene's weird and quirky. But like, what's this have to do with the killer dress? Isn't that the plot of the film? Like, yeah, um, so I, but I think like it's more about the world the dress is in. <laughs> so in the what? world yeah, where this dress exists no, what? stuff like that happens <laughs> excuse me the dress just... exists in a different world and he's showing us that world as well as the dress it's not our world let me ask you this missy say peter strickland five years from now just had an interview and he said i absolutely make these movies to be nonsense to fuck with you you're the fool i would think you there's still, a zero percent chance but say that happened would you still like this movie then or would you feel like he just made fun of you? I know that's not true because he he clearly loves them so much. <laughs> He's devoted so much of his life to it. Like you can tell, just it's like with so just much like tenderness. all those all those pastors and mega churches with their hundred million dollar mansions, right? No, they wanted me to be successful too. <laughs> you gotta you gotta give to get, Chris. That's true. All Speaking right, where of- do I send? Podforsaken listeners, you can send us money at, <laughs> at podforsakenpodcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Was that that funny? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, he goes to the bank and the bank managers are like, 
we can't give you a loan, but talk to us about tech specs. Yeah, and like, they're like, let's do a role play. That might help you. I don't and, know. <laughs> and they're clearly we hear that like, you're very good at describing technical problems. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I was just like, well, why is this in the movie? I don't understand. But like, yeah, they're in like, their case, basically... I couldn't tell they're getting bored though, like sleepy. No, like they were getting like cross-eyed. Yeah, but that, that um, could be. That's not sleepy. It couldn't be sleepy too for them. I I I feel like it was a <laughs> reference to. I've seen this on Twitch and the TikToks. Uh, Ahegao face, which is like orgasm face. No. Yeah, I thought I thought it was orgasm face. I thought yeah. I thought like that's what I thought was happening there. I was like, wait, what are they? Are they like coming in their pants? That's what it seemed like. Okay, so help me out, man. So now, uh, they're, they're you know they're planning their wedding. Blah blah blah. We get to see a little bit about their life. The wife comes down and she's now wearing the red dress and it fits her perfect too. And she's like, how does dress fit you but also fit me? That's crazy. And she's like, doesn't it's it look good riveting. on me? And he's like, eh, it's fine. And she looks very good in it. And But we, she sees not that far after that that she has the rash in her boob too. So she's like, okay, something's wrong with this dress. They put the dress in the washing machine. Same shit. What breaks the washing machine? Washing machine goes haywire. Uh, and he tries to fix it, but gets that's why he gets fired and needs to go to the bank for the loan because he's not allowed to fix his own washing machine because the company paid for the knowledge he had to know how to fish a wash, fix a washing machine. So that's like against company policy because he's oh, stealing. Is that, is that why he like hands his credentials over to his boss? Yeah, and his boss eats it in front of him and swallows it. <laughs> yeah, it's like the scene in a cop movie where they surrender the badge and gun. This is not a surrealist movie at all. <laughs> Chris. You have clearly never walk, worked in the washing machine repair industry. It's common I, for your Look, boss. my tummy has so many badges in it. You have no idea. <laughs> but did we, we should talk about the weird, the awkward sex scene too. There's like a scene where he is having sex with his fiance. And it's like, just, she, it's that classic, like, we're not actually connected. He's just like pushing into her and she's like, oh, did you catch the movies earlier? <laughs> it's just like those, the most banal shit. Yeah, and he, she's scenes, like, are you listening make... to me? I'm trying to talk about the groceries with you. Are you listening? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, those scenes make me so uncomfortable. I don't know why. Like, there's just something about like, like people like not like it having like just like having sex, but talking about mundane shit. They're like, that's the most horrifying thing in the movie to me. <laughs> Yeah, like the death of a relationship. Uh, yeah. But just like, like I, I so... wanted to scream at the screen and be like, just shut the fuck up for five minutes. Like, <laughs> can you just shut the fuck up? <laughs> and so where does it go from here? Like they <laughs> uh, he then goes to the bank again and they're like, he tells him about the dream he had, which that was cool. It's like she's pregnant and then the, they deliver the baby and the, the oh, yeah. bloody fetus gives him the finger and is like, fuck it, you, dad. The baby and is wearing, wearing the, dress. the dress. Yeah, it fits the baby also. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but, I agree. The The bloody baby birth scene was very cool. But I mean, again, it's like, what? okay, that in and of itself, those two minutes are cool. Why? What does this have to do with the things that came before and come after it? Yeah, I mean, this whole, this whole part of the movie shouldn't exist. <laughs> I love I love how you keep defending it so staunchly. We refer to this part of the movie, this is which is one movie. hour. <laughs> 50 minutes of it should be burned. <laughs> it's perfect. This movie is so fucking good, except for 50%. <laughs> oh. It's just like it's a small mistake he made. It's a small 50% mistake. You know when you fuck up 50% of your test and you get an F? It was just no. a small oopsie. No, you get an A plus, Chris. That's yeah. that, that's the school Missy went to. I'm sorry, you missed half the questions. Congratulations, A plus. You're a doctor now. <laughs> 
So <laughs> you know what they say: you miss fifty percent of the questions you don't answer. <laughs> that's well, that's true. <laughs> well, you miss a hundred percent. All right. Oh, so, I see your point. Okay. All right. And then, all right. I don't know what happens. I she literally goes, don't know what happens. Okay. She goes back to the store so to change the dress out. She wants. I think she just goes to buy another dress. Because why does she even know this dress is from that store? I don't know. Because it's not from that store. It's from some I know it's fucking... from a thrift shop. But I think she might just go because the sale is still, like, they're having a sale. Again. It's like a 12-day sale. It's like, it's like a, or so, at least a week. So this happens around the same time that Sheila dies? Yeah, dude. Okay. This is all happening at the I same, just, I feel the same like, week. So she, I, I know. Until I saw the um, the bank managers, it seemed like it was like way in the future because there's something about the way this is shot. No, because the guy comes in, the washer repairman comes in and is like, I heard you have a job opening because Sheila yeah. just died. So it was right around the same time. So right. the the lady want, wants a new dress for some reason that I don't remember. Because women be shopping. Women be women. And she goes into the store finds it like she gets into a fight with our our lady our the lady we love at the store timber what they're fighting about but they, they got in a big fight and finally she, they all calm down and she goes to try on a dress and as she's doing oh, and she she had a dream about um being a model in the magazine and like losing weight and losing weight while her size is going up yeah every time she loses weight that says she's a bigger size and, so, and it, like eventually she's like a skeleton in the magazine wearing the wearing the red dress right no it's not the red dress no, it's, it's just like, oh, a blue, it it's a blue nighty oh. My bad. Sorry. Apologies. Yeah. Uh, please leave the podcast. <laughs> and it's like as the store is closing. So as she's like in the dressing room trying on a dress, the like the our main lady at the store is telling everyone to check out. And the first person checks out quite nicely. But then there's two people that think they're next and they get into like a bitch fight trying to say like, no, I'm going to be served next. No, I'm going to be served next. So then they start like beating each other up, spitting each other's face and go like totally nuts, which makes everybody in the store go nuts. And everybody in the store just starts fighting and looting and smashing all the windows and stealing everything and they could get. fire breaks out and the mannequins the are in dress, pieces. The red dress flitters into the air and goes over a space heater and starts to fire. So the whole store catches on fire and our, our main witch that works at the store takes her favorite mannequin that's almost human because she's been working at that at night with the oils and <laughs> rescues her and it was like oh i'll save you don't worry you're my new best friend and so she takes that mannequin and goes into her little coffin hatch thing yeah a little dumbwaiter her little dumbwaiter hatch thing yeah and, and oh this is also meanwhile it's intercut with the washing machine repair guy he dies on the couch because the the TV kills him or something. Like the ad. Oh, yeah. yeah. Why did he die? Like, again, I felt like I, I missed something. Because it's a like, horror hey, movie, Rodney. Hey, hey, here's the an rash, idea. How many no, of if you make it? You... The rash spread. The rash spread. Fuck okay. this movie. <laughs> the rash spread and got him. But how come it didn't kill anyone else by rash? I guess it took longer. I guess we just, Ugh. this would have happened at the end either way. Yeah, after watching, this dude for, after watching this dude for 55 minutes, he's just sitting there on the TV, on the couch, staring at, I think it's the commercial again. It is the like commercial, the yeah. And then he just, he just like leans his head back and it's implied he died. We see like, the rash spreading up his face. Yeah, yeah. okay, fine, yeah. whatever. <laughs> and this is uh, the conclusion of sales week. So and, so uh, then we we flash cut like the, our his fiance is trying to get out of the, on fire dressing room and she, she can't um and we she's just like fighting to get out and head witch is in her dumb waiter and she's going down the different levels and we see that like the first level she goes down there's like a, there's a sewing table with who's at the sewing table it's the, the famous first model, the who, model died. who died and the zebra crossing 
is sitting at the table and she's not dead. She's Wait, sewing this- a red dress. Did you say the zebra cross? That's what the newspaper said. She said she died. Yeah, she died in the zebra crossing. (laughs) Oh, okay. I don't miss that. All right. That Uh, was one of the funniest moments of the movie. (laughs) Yeah. And then we go down to the next level. It's Sheila. Sheila's Sitting at a sewing table, sewing the red dress. And then the next table is the guy that died of the rash, sewing at the sewing table. And then the next one is the lady that got stuck in the dressing room. The The fiance. Yeah. And then the next one, the next, we go see a bunch and they're all empty and they're all going to be claimed by red dress people because they must need them to put on, on mannequins to be their new outfit for all of them or something. I don't know. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and then, and then there's a fireman who finds the red dress in the wreck. Oh, fine. right. The, the, the whole story sure. is now like ashes. It's destroyed, except the red dress is in perfect condition. And then it, and then it ends. Yes. Um, and there's a shot of Peter Strickland showing the middle finger right to camera. <laughs> yeah. You know, I got to tell you, I am, the more we talk about it, the more I am convinced this movie is making fun of you. There's the baby that gives the middle finger direct to camera. There's the the bad Parcheesi game. There's the dude jerking off to his own art. Like, I genuinely think this guy is a troll. He's a troll with a huge, with a big budget of, you know, several million dollars. Yeah. I think maybe it's amusing him, but I don't think he's doing it to make fun of Jalos. I, th- I think he loves them. Like, I think Can it be both? Can't he be using his favorite medium to to troll you? I don't think he's trolling you. I think that he's trying to amuse you. Because I felt trolled in Barbarian Sound Studio too when it like cuts to like a 10 minute documentary about fucking birds in like New Hampshire Shire. <laughs> and I'm like, what the fuck does this have to do with the movie I was watching? I don't think it's, I don't think it's to be mean though. I don't think it's like, to, I don't really don't think it's a fuck you. I think it's like, just it's a, it's not a fuck playful. you, it's a fuck us. It's a, it's a, it's like, this is how I'm playful. Like, this is making me giggle inside, and maybe it'll make you giggle inside, too. But it's not to make you angry. Like, it is. It's clearly making <laughs> well, you angry. Well, try again, Peter Strickland. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so, the last thing I wrote down is um, Black Magic Friday sale. Do you want to expand upon that? No. Okay. It's fine. <laughs> I, I will say at least Sheila is shown at the end, and we find out that her fate is... So I guess it's to like if the... show the dress... Yeah, is it the, is the idea that there's actually a bunch of red dresses out there in the world? I think that's their like, plan. I mean, and I like think that's... it's I think it's like their their soul is now tied to it. And they look like zombies. Like they don't look like themselves. They look like these like zombie. Yeah, versions. they're wearing zombie makeup. Yeah, exactly. Okay, but like it's just like what does this have to do with the fucking the mannequins and the oils and you know what well, I mean it's like because like you know how other movies have stuff like this. This movie has that too. Oh, I, now that you've explained it, it makes so much sense. <laughs> like, That's what look, I mean. I, like, I think he set up a plot and he did bullshit instead of going into the plot he set up. Like, like I think that there was the opportunity was there for him to explain that. And he chose to do this first half of the movie again instead of explain it, which is irritating. But it seems like there is an like basically to me, my interpretation is there is a department store that's run by like the devil and his coven of witches. and they they take the souls of people via a evil red dress and those people's souls are trapped in the building to like permanently forever work on sewing red dresses and they use the souls to put them into mannequins and turn the mannequins into more witch coven salespeople. i think that that's like generally what it is but yeah he should have gone into more detail of that because that's super interesting it's like, I only understand that now because we talked about it for an hour and a half. 
which is still less time than the runtime of this movie. Yeah. You know how long you've been listening to this this podcast? Add 30 more minutes from this point. That's in fabric. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm glad we watched this. <laughs> I'm glad you were able to say that, Rodney. <laughs> like, I admit this this was on my list. Again, like, it, it looked like a cool premise. You know, like, I'm down for, like, weird killing objects. You know, like, rubber and the bed that eats or whatever it's called. Deathbed, you know? So when I heard it's about a killer dress, yeah, I was like, I'm intrigued. I just wish the dress did more things in the movie. I you agree. know, Other than just, like like hover over beds and like slide under doors and like make noises in the closet and shit. I agree. Yeah. There, Cause there was a lot of people in this movie. There was an opportunity to kill way more people than they did. Wasn't like, like there I was think, no one in it. Yeah. I mean, I guess a bunch of people might like off screen burn to death in the fire at the end, but like maybe four people die in the whole movie. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like it, it, there was an opportunity to tie it all together at the end and bring like the sun and, and, and Gwen back and, there was a way to make it feel cohesive, but it didn't. And so it just felt like like a waste of time. I don't I don't know. Like I mean, some, yeah. it, it comes out to style over substance. That's what it is. I think that like he easily could have made it a lot better, but I think I think there was so much good there. That's why I still love it. I just think <laughs> I mean I do. I do really love it. I just I think that he really missed the opportunity to make it like perfect. Like and he could have. Yeah. You could have you could have had an A plus a hundred out of a hundred movie. Instead, you had a fifty out of a hundred, a near miss, <laughs> and a, and still an A plus though. Still an A plus, a, a soft A plus. It's, it's just, an A plus. It's an A plus in a lot of categories. That's like my thing. Like it's an A plus in a lot of categories, but he like failed in certain categories. You know what I mean? I'm so, oh, so I got an A. You got an F. You failed, but it's very close to. But an it's a+. not like he got a B minus in everything. <laughs> yeah, there's that's a true. There's a really big difference. Look, I'm. I want to say I'm glad we watched this, but I don't you know if that's a true it. statement. You already said it, so I, no take back. I'm sorry. Your, your husband died on the operating table, but the surgeon's scrubs look fantastic. <laughs> Let me put it this way. This is a total pod forsaken movie. It's, it's like an obscure horror movie that most people have not seen. And so I'm glad I saw it because I like branching out and, and trying different things, you know? But, but me as just a person, I'm not glad I watched it because it was so fucking tedious. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> But, it's not uh, that funny, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> Funniest joke in the episode. Uh, I'm actually, I'm actually cutting the other ninety minutes, and I'm just keeping uh, that joke. Okay. <laughs> uh, I wasn't really laughing. I'm more like trying not to cry. So, okay. so basically, if, if you're a new listener, here's what I recommend, right? Watch, watch this movie. Watch In Fabric, and then watch Terrifier, <laughs> and now, and then you'll know whether you should listen to Missy or Rodney in future episodes. Yeah. <laughs> And then watch Hereditary. We still don't have a Chris. Well, we movie. all like Hereditary. Yeah, everyone yeah. likes Hereditary. What did Chris like that we didn't? That neither of us like. Chris never likes anything. That's true. Yeah, I live a miserable existence. Of a, I don't think of a I... tr- bridge troll. Bring me goats. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, has there ever been a movie that you really loved that we talked about? Um, I don't know. Let me see. <laughs> let me let me run down the list. Pod <laughs> Forsaken. All right, Haunting a Blee Manor. Wretched. Nope. We can cut this, right? We can nope. definitely cut this. Yeah. All right. Demon. Impedagore. Impedagore was cool. I loved Impedagore. Okay. Swallow. We don't have to go through the whole list, Chris. Well, but I'm, sure, I'm wondering if there was anything that I liked that you guys didn't like. No, that doesn't exist. There's yeah. no way there was a movie that you... I think one of us would have liked it if you liked it. Yeah, it's impossible. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I guess you gotta... I paint in the negatives. You gotta look at what I don't like. And if you don't like what I don't like, you'll like what I like. <laughs> Whatever that is, whatever's left. I don't know what that means. That comment is like right out of the movie in fabric. <laughs> <laughs> Please come in for our sale. <laughs> 
all right, everyone. Uh, well, first of all, before we before we wrap up the episode, is there any closing statements about this movie you want to say, either of you? I think I've said it all, but you know, just don't let yourself be you know talked into not seeing this by Chris and Rodney if you know you, you, <laughs> your heart has any open space for something yeah. like this. If you look, we all know that every grade sometimes you get an A, sometimes you get an F, and the difference between those is fifty minutes of shitty movie. <laughs> I don't I, I can't stress enough how much you should like like if you're fans of the podcast and you actually do just watch the movies with us it's too late you already watched it <laughs> but, but like man this movie is not for you just odds are it's not for you Rodney's There's... not always right Rodney is wrong a lot of the time and yeah I if, am caught if... because you're both right this time <laughs> <laughs> you know if you like this if you like Jollos, let us know if there is a Jollo you really like, like Jollo you want us to review. This, Rodney this will really the, hate it, is, and that's always fun. And this, um, what are your favorite Jollos, everyone? This is the <laughs> Podforsaken Paradox, is that Rodney is often wrong, but this time he's right. Uh, I mean, um, that's your opinion, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everyone. I, we'll right. talk about this at length. Thanks for listening. Remember, uh, finish the series Haunting of Bly Manor on Netflix. We're going to talk about the whole, I mean, we're just going to focus on the last five episodes, but we'll probably do a little recap on episodes one through four. Uh, that's next week. We'll Toodles. see you then. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the episode. If you could uh, like, subscribe, and share this episode, that'd be great. If you want to share your feedback with us, we can be reached at podforsakenpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah.